Hello friends, welcome to another episode of Care Package to Japan where we showcase God's love for Japan through stories of people. I am your host Evangeline and today I will be chatting with Brian and Renee Gibbs. Now let's get started. So our guest today is Brian and Renee Gibbs. They have been working with the navigators for I believe more than 15 years now correct me if I'm yeah, wrong. actually a little over 22 years now no way wow yeah. that's that is quite a while yeah um but yeah our guests here today Brian Renee they have a huge passion for worldwide mission and specifically Japan um how many years were you guys in Japan with the navigators so, as a married couple we were there for 22 years um, but that's actually where we met uh, when we were single. And um, as singles, I was there for two years and Renee was there for one year. Nice. And before before I dig deeper into the story of like how you guys met, c- can you guys just introduce yourself to the guests for people who don't know you guys? Um, maybe just your name and a little bit about you guys, yourself, yeah. You wanna go first or me to go first? Um, I can go first. My name is Renee Gibbs. Um, I'm, I grew up in San Diego, California and had a heart for missions from when I was really young. And I got an opportunity to go to Japan when I, after I graduated from graduate school. And that's where Brian and I met each other. And then we spent all that time in Japan together. And my name is Brian Gibbs, and I grew up on the opposite side of the country from Renee. I grew up in Virginia. And unlike Renee, I used to um, lay awake in bed at night and pray, oh God, please never make me, me be a missionary. And uh, <laughs> I grew up at a, in a church that was had a very strong missions focus. And I would often, every year, there'd be a missions conference, and these missionaries would come and tell these stories. And I would sit there and think, oh my goodness, nothing could possibly be worse than that. Like having to go to a foreign country and eat strange foods and learn strange language and deal with a strange culture. And I just wanted to, to live in America. But then I um, went off to college and I got involved with this campus group called the Navigators and the Navigator staff who is reading the Bible with me and helping me learn to walk with Jesus was always talking about God's heart for the nations and always taking me to Bible passages that talked about God's heart for the nations. And um, if you don't want to become a missionary, I highly encourage you to not read the Bible. Uh, <laughs> the more I read the scriptures, the more um, it changed my heart. And so wound up going to Japan as a missionary. Yeah. Can you guys talk a little bit about more, um, like more about why Japan at the time or like, yeah, for both of you guys? Yeah, um, Renee's side of the story is actually far more interesting, but maybe I'll tell mine first and then she can uh, build off of that. But uh, as I was just mentioning, as a college student, I, I would meet weekly uh, for discipleship training from a navigator uh, staff person there. And uh, he was always talking, he would take me to passages uh, like in Genesis and God's promises to Abraham where uh, God would say, you know, surely I will bless you and surely I will multiply you and through your seeds, all nations on earth will be blessed. And this navigator staff would say, Brian, God wants to use you to fulfill his purpose. God wants to sweep you up uh, in his mighty plan for the nations. And this particular staff also had this huge heart for Japan because he had gone to visit there once. And um, he was always recruiting me, Brian, you should go to Japan. Brian, you should go to Japan. And when I graduated from college, this is back in the mid 90s, 
uh, the navigators were running a, a really cool uh, program for like one to two year volunteers to, to join the navigator work in Japan. And so I decided uh, when I graduated, I'd spend, before going to grad school, I'd spend one year in Japan in this program. And I got there and soon realized that one year wasn't going to be enough. And then you stayed. Well, I'll let Renee tell her part of the story because it kind of dovetails from here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, growing up, I had a best friend whose family were believers and they had, I loved to read and they had a big bookshelf with tons of missionary biographies on it. And so I would borrow their books and read about read biographies of missionaries that were in jungles and things like that. And through that, God gave me a heart to go overseas someday and share the gospel with people. And um, so when I went to college, I got involved with the Navigators campus group there. And then each summer, um, I ended up doing a short-term missions trip. So the first summer I went to Papua New Guinea with New Tribes Mission. And then the next summer uh, I went to Thailand with a group called Campus Outreach. And then I went to um, East Asia um, that following summer. And then the last summer I went to Kazakhstan with um, the Navigators. And each time I went somewhere, I came back thinking, oh man, I want to go back to that country. So I realized that God had given me a heart to go overseas, but not necessarily a specific country, although I did have a heart for Asia. And after I went to Kazakhstan, I filled out um, an application with the navigators to go for like a two-year term. Um, and I sent in my application, but they never got it. They never received it. It got lost in the mail or something. And while I was waiting for a reply back, um, Brian and a Japanese older navigator staff came to my campus recruiting for people for their team in Japan. And um, I, even before they arrived, I knew they were coming. And even before they arrived, um, I was ready to sign on the dotted line because I just wanted to go somewhere. And so um, I ended up on the same team as Brian and um, yeah, really loved um, being involved in campus ministry in Japan and we fell in love there and got engaged and came back to America for a few years and during that time we're praying about whether or not God would lead us back to Japan and on a long-term on a long-term assignment and he did and so together as a married couple we uh, went there to yeah be involved with the navigators in campus ministry how would you describe just like your experience and journey with Japan for the past 22 years like if you were to use like one word or or mm. even or a sentence like how would you how would you describe that because I I imagine it I mean like you guys went through many different life stages um, as missionaries in in Japan um, like for example you guys were both correct me if I'm wrong, like both single going into it and then fell in love, started dating, um, and then got married. I mean, got engaged, got married, and then had kids. And then, and then all these different stages. Um, and you got to experience so much life, um, in Japan. So yeah, I just kind of want to like hear from your perspective of like, how would you, how would you describe that? <laughs> It's a good question. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go? No, you go first. Well, 
for for lack of a, a better word, I would say adventure. But it, um, an adventure uh, of one being um, swept up in the purposes of God. You know, God God told Abraham uh, back in I think it's Genesis 26. You know, he's like uh, like the stars, like the sand on the seashore, like the stars in the sky. So shall your offspring be. And I think when Abraham looked up at that night sky and saw those stars, you know, there were stars lit in that night sky that had the names of specific Japanese friends on them. And when we were in Japan, it was, we got, we get, I mean, by the grace of God, we got to see a handful of Japanese friends come to faith in Jesus. And I, I, you know, it was like God was delivering those stars Abraham fulfilling his promises and so in one sense I think we had the joy of being swept up in this adventure that God uh, the unfolding purposes and promises of God to Abraham I think it was also an adventure of faith you know I mean Renee is awesome she gave birth to three kids uh, in Japan entirely in Japanese language you know in the in the birthing clinic and uh, it was you know I mean part of the challenge that was you know that was an experience of faith um, when we went long-term too, you know, I mean, I'm an automotive engineer by training. I'm, you know, I didn't go to Bible school. And so walking away from a career in automotive engineering was a little intimidating. Um, you know, uh, we were actually, we felt God was calling us to say, to trust our, our financial well-being, <laughs> our financial support to him, not to our own efforts and work. And I mean, it's amazing, Evangeline, we, we were in Japan you know 20 years as a married couple and god amazingly provided the wow. whole time we were there and so we got to see god do things like you know bring japanese into his eternal family we got to see god do things like multiply our little family we got to see god supply for us amazingly um through those years and and give us amazing friendships i know i mean you we we met you in japan when you were visiting that one time or one time we met you anyway and yeah. um and so I would just, yeah, I think I would summarize it with uh, the adventure of, of walking with God and experiencing what he's capable of doing. Renee, is there anything you'd like to add to that? Um, I think I would maybe use the word growth. Because hmm. um, I think that while we were in Japan, we grew in our maturity uh, as people, as a couple. We grew in our faith. Our kids grew up in Japan. Uh, we saw people come to Christ and grow in their faith. Um, we grew in our Japanese ability, um, our understanding of the culture. A lot of growth happened while we were in Japan, in us and in people around us too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks for highlighting that. Like, And I love to dig a little deeper into, um, Brian, what you said about Abraham, because that's also something that I've been thinking about too, of God gave Abraham the promise of like, go, and also like, you're going to have so many descendants, Abraham. And I think it's there's a lot of tension in the Bible of like, trusting God in his promises, Yet there's also seasons of like, we may or may not see the full culmination of those promises. And I love for you to like talk a little bit about as missionaries in Japan, when I'm sure you guys, both of you guys had seasons of, of both mountaintop and also valley. And in those valley seasons, how did you 
or what were some things that helped you to continue to keep your eyes on Jesus, um, like to keep walking the good faith? Mm. Yeah. That's a great question. You want me to go first? Let me go first. Um, I think, well, yeah, just God's word, clinging to promises from his word. Um, and then just, I think it, it can be discouraging if you don't see much fruit or you don't see fruit very fast in terms of like people coming to Christ. Um, but I think for me, I, I think one thing that kept me from getting really discouraged about that was just knowing that God loves each and every mm. person and Japanese person in my life so much more than I do. Mm. Um, he's got a perfect plan for them. He's got perfect timing for them. And um, like Psalm 139, I forget which verse, but it says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Mm. And that was that's true for me and that's true for all of my Japanese friends. Mm. Um, so I think that just helped me have patience that even if I wanted to see results ASAP, um, God has a different timetable, but I can trust his timing that he has good plans and he's, he's, he's at work even when I can't see it. Amen. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, my answer would um, definitely overlap with Renee's. I was, I would say um, two things. One is scripture memory and the other um, is people. Um, so on the scripture memory side, yeah, it's, it's not hard to recall some of the, the dark, deep, dark valleys and challenges that we went through. And number one time, just feeling just so overwhelmed and despaired and despairing and walking, just heading out of our, our house one evening, the sun was down, it was dark and just walking in the park. And um, Isaiah 26, three came to mind, um, says that you'll keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And I remember quoting that verse over and over and over as I walked through the park and just like basically desperately clinging to that promise, to those, those words of scriptures. And coming back from that walk into the house, feeling um, having that feeling of overwhelmedness and despair actually washed away and with a refreshed hope in my heart. Um, and so that, yeah, that was a repeating pattern, I think, throughout times in Japan when, when things were tough or discouraging, uh, going back to some of the, the bedrock foundational promises that we find in the scripture. And I think another key verse uh, that I really clung to for many of the years we were in Japan um, was Jesus' words in John 15, 5. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. The man remains in me and I in him. He will bear much fruit. Mm. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I just think that's one of the most phenomenal promises of Jesus. And he, he makes it so so simple and clear. If you, if you abide in me and I in you, then you're going to bear much fruit. It doesn't matter if you feel great or feel strong or if you feel weak and pathetic or discouraged and down. Like the, the one thing that really counts for being fruitful in God's kingdom is staying close to Jesus. And so um, I clung, clung to that verse a lot and others as well. But yeah, I think so scripture memory and scripture meditation um, were huge. And then the other thing I would say was people and Thankfully, uh, you know, part of our strategy as navigators is that we don't really send uh, 
laborers out to be lone rangers. Uh, we work in teams. And so there was never a time in our, all of our years in Japan that we were not part of a team. And the relationships that uh, we had on our team was just, I mean, these are the people we prayed with, the people we cried with, the people we read the scriptures with, the people we, you know, labored side by side with. And having um, team, having that, those real, that, that fellowship together and knowing that we were, you know, laboring together on uh, the same great cause of Christ, the same great cause of the gospel was tremendously strengthening. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Like, I just like can't even imagine just the friendship that you guys have with the fellow um, co-laborers in Japan, specifically through the navigators. And for me, I'm just like so thankful every time I think of what you guys did in Japan and the continual labor of the people there. It's just so incredible that God loves the Japanese so much and he is sending more and more people there every every year every month and I yeah I just I think it's so cool that that he has just he has such a huge heart for um he loves Japan so much and and we all got to see different glimpses of it and yeah and I I love for you guys to just like like talk a little more about um specifically through the campus ministry what were some ways that you felt like you saw god's love to the people while you guys were doing ministry on on these campuses oh you know evangeline before we go to that next question just reflecting back on the last one as i sat here realized you know we were also part um wherever we went of of small local fellowships of japanese believers and there are very few Japanese believers and so the the churches the the local fellowships tend to be quite small Um, but boy um, the Japanese believers that we knew I mean they were just amazing people so committed to the Lord and so um, so transformed by the gospel so I just yeah I would be remiss if I didn't um, mention that as part of my answer to your your previous question yeah, um, and, and and quick, um, sorry, quick um, tip tip it before we move to the next question. Uh, for the for the people that don't know, could you could you just, just like give a little context of Christianity in Japan for the people who are listening who might not right um, know too much about that? Sure. Well, uh, Christianity um, or Christendom, perhaps I should say, first came to Japan through uh, Jesuit missionaries in the like late 1500s and early 1600s. And then um, not long after the coming of the um, Jesuit missionaries, many of them were Portuguese, uh, Japan closed its borders to the entire world uh, for a period just shy of like 300 years. And so, and during that time, the the Japanese shogun uh, would try to completely stamp out uh, any vestige of Christianity from the country. And then uh, Japan uh, reopened to the rest of the world in the late 1800s. And um, uh, the first Protestant missionaries came to Japan towards the end of the 1800s. And that was, um, it was it's always been hard, hard soil for the gospel in Japan. Um, to the best of our knowledge in the study of Japanese history, there's never been a time where the gospel really flourished and uh, many, many Japanese people are coming to faith in Christ. And that continues through 
to the present day. Japan is a, a country of complete religious freedom. So when we first arrived in Japan, you know, the the visa stamped on our passport was religious activities, shukyo katsudo, literally were there as, as missionaries. Um, in fact, Japan is about the only country in the world that's classified as unreached uh, that you that is still completely open to, to Christian missionaries. So it's a, it's a very unique place in that sense. And statistically speaking, you would have to meet about 500 Japanese before you met one who would say, yes, I, I am a, a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, st statistically speaking. So it's well under 1%. And so I think what Renee and I would frequently um, it was it was just amazing. I mean, you'd be on this packed train, you know, subway in, in downtown Tokyo and looking through a, a train car that probably had like 300 people packed in in there and realizing you're probably the only person who knows about the good news of Jesus Christ. So there's tremendous, tremendous spiritual need uh, in the country of Japan. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and I love for you to talk more about just while you were in Japan, like how did you experience God's love for the people specifically? Yeah. Well, you know, I think one, one there's all kinds of ways to answer that question. One of the first mm -hmm. things that comes to my mind, Evangeline, is uh, Japan is a land of amazing natural beauty. And, uh, you know, God reveals himself to us through his written word. But I think God also reveals a lot of who he is and what he's like uh, through his natural creation in the world around us. And, um, you know, Japan's a land of, of incredible mountains and incredible, beautiful seas and, um, you know, just the amazing vegetables and fruit and uh just the just the the way God has has blessed Japan uh, in so many natural ways, and so I you know I sense God's love for the Japanese people just in, in the amazing setting that He He has given them. Um, yeah, I and I, I think oh, that you have like a very special like in terms of like the Japanese culture. I do find that people in Japan have this special almost like respect for nature um yes. that i don't typically find in the west so yeah that's that is very interesting i, I you know and that's a really great point in one of our uh, strategies when we were doing campus ministry in japan we tried our best to get the get japanese students like out into nature and frequently you know if you get them out of the, the crowded pressurized city locations and campuses uh, it was like they were able to, to breathe deeper and breathe freer and and it's like their hearts and their minds would be more open towards God. Um, so I really do think that the nature is, is one part of it. Um, I, I think another aspect, you know, is ja Japanese culture is a culture uh, that has a huge value on honor and respect. And I, I think, you know, I mean, that's a... Well, it, it, their cult, the Japanese culture in many ways models how we really ought to approach the creator God as well as God's our fellow created human beings and so there are many times you know, you know Jesus said his command was to um, to love one another you know he says a new commandment I give you that you should love one another as I have loved you love also one another and boy Japanese set the standard 
for what it means to honor other people. Um, the way they live with a sense of mindfulness, even towards people that they don't know, even sitting on a, a crowded uh, passenger commuter train, you know, Japanese are considerate of people around them and try not to take up too much space or talk too loudly. And um, so just the, you know, I think the fingerprints of God are uh, visible in certain aspects of Japanese culture that, that really value respect and honor um, and treating people well. I don't know, this is, that, that, this is a good question you're asking. Those are the, some of the answers that come to my mind. Yeah, these are yeah, great. To that. Um, I think, it, I guess just a little more specifically, not quite so generally, but just in seeing people we knew come to faith. Yeah. Um, seeing God work in their lives, touch their hearts, give them a close relationship with him and a heart for other people. Um, yeah, it was just, I guess, seeing God work in people's lives also demonstrated his love for Japanese people to us. Yeah. Do you guys remember just like, like the feeling of when, I don't know, like the first person that you guys either like shepherd or share the gospel with that accepted Jesus, like how that fell and what that was like? Yes, totally. I, I still remember that one of my first friends who came to faith in Christ and I was just like, I was like, no way, this is amazing. I mean, it, it, you know, Evangeline, when I first went to Japan, I expected to see God do great things. What I didn't realize was he's some of the most amazing things he was gonna do was in my own heart. And um, when when I first got, was getting just very first time there and getting to know Japanese college students and sharing Jesus, I was just amazed at how uh, in one way, very receptive. They wanted to know what I believed. They wanted to know about this Jesus that I was telling them and about, and they were just like a blank slate. They had like literally no idea. The, mm -hmm. the first college students I was meeting and they were earnestly wanting to understand. And I remember going home one night after having some Bible time with some students and just like literally as I pray for these students one by one, pray for them by name, just like weeping in prayer for them because it's like, my goodness, I was realizing I was the first person to ever tell them about Jesus. And I was probably the first person to ever pray for them by name to the living God. And I was just overwhelmed with the, the tremendous need there, as well as the tremendous privilege that I had to be, you know, a messenger, a laborer for the gospel and among such an amazing people. It's incredible that you guys got to do that and like... Uh, we, it's it was laboring in Japan was the fulfillment of my worst childhood nightmare <laughs> seriously but um it, it was in retrospect I mean what an in, just incredible honor that and privilege mm. to, to get to labor for the gospel among such beautiful people yeah like uh, as you guys are sharing like my heart is just oh like I think my heart is just like overwhelmed with like how much God loves Japan and also just prayer for God to send more people. Like when yeah. you were talking yes. about, you know, like when you were talking about the whole, like, oh, I was on a train of like 300 people and potentially being the only Christians there, like that just, I think that that struck a chord. It's like, oh God, please send more people. Like yes. we yeah. need more light in Japan. Yeah. So if you're listening to this podcast, please stop right now and pray that the yes. Lord will send laborers to the harvest field of Japan. Amen. Um, I, I love to ask 
Brian, if you could just pray about that specifically, because I think that is something that is one of the big prayer topics for Japan. And I love it. If you could just lead us. Sure. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, in uh, Matthew chapter nine, uh, it says that when you saw the crowds, you had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And it says you turned to your disciples and said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out laborers into his harvest field. And Lord, uh, we just want to lift up to you uh, your harvest field of Japan. Lord, we know that uh, Japan is a land of 127 million people. Lord, every one of them created in your image. Every one of them created for a special personal relationship with you. And Lord, um, thank you for the amazing message of the gospel that Jesus came and made his abundant life available to everyone. He wants to bring salvation and eternal life. And Lord, we pray uh, that you would raise up laborers for this beautiful field to take this beautiful message. Lord, I pray that you would raise up men and women who'd raise their hand and say, yes, say yes to you, Jesus, say yes to the gospel, say yes to advancing the gospel, to taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. So we ask you to do great and mighty things, Lord, uh, in the hearts of your people, uh, to take up Japan, to pray for Japan, and to go to Japan, and to love Japanese people, and to do what they can uh, to make your good news known there. Lord, we thank you um, that you have great things in store. Let, even today, Lord, your promises to Abraham, even though they're 4,000 years old, those promises are still valid, Lord. You're still working and moving to fulfill those promises uh, so that men and women from every tribe, language, and people and nation would become uh, descendants by faith, the spiritual descendants of Abraham. So God, we trust you, we thank you, and we praise you for how uh, you will continue to um, glorify your name and advance the gospel. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And before um, we end this episode, could you talk a little bit about, like, for the folks um, who are, like, I mean, God can call people from any age, any background, but for people, um, I guess what I'm trying to ask is like, do you have any words of encouragement or things that people um, should pray about or do if they feel this like tugging of like, God, like maybe, maybe you want me to go to the nation or maybe specifically you want me to go to Japan. Um, yeah. Do you have any like word, word of advice or just encouragement for people in that, in that phase? That's a good question. I guess, I don't know. I'm sure Brian has a little list of things <laughs> to say. But <laughs> I think just the one thing that popped in my mind is that if that's something that God's laying on your heart and you're, you know, you're heading in that direction, it can never hurt to start learning Japanese. Um, because, um, I mean, there are definitely Japanese people who speak English, but the bulk of our ministry was done in Japanese and that's the language where you can connect at the heart level with people and share deeper concepts. So um, like we have some missionaries that are going through the navigators to Japan and they're waiting on visas because of the COVID pandemic. Um, And it's just been really cool to see them like using online resources and other stuff to just get, you know, start learning Japanese now. Why? why wait why waste that time yeah. on waiting um so it's been cool just to see them preparing themselves in that way because you'll never regret um being able to communicate well so i'd say that's one thing 
Yeah, I would encourage people who are thinking about that, you know, talk to your pastor, talk to the missions pastor at your church and ask, ask, you know, those church leaders for resources that can help you. Something that Renee and I did um, before we went to Japan long-term uh, was we were both involved with the Perspectives course. Um, perhaps you've heard of it, but it's it's a tremendous uh, multi-month like month course that walks through the history of world missions, God's heart for missions, um, what, we, what any of us can do to advance the cause of missions. And uh, that was a really foundational experience for both Renee and me. And I know that uh, that course has continued to improve over the decades since we took it. And so I would highly recommend that. And I, I think Evangeline, I'd also say, you know, um, you just go, go online and look at different uh, quality mission sending organizations uh, that go to Japan. And a lot of those organizations, including the Navigators, have resources available to help you. Um, Bible studies and resources related to learning across cultures. Uh, and another you know, great thing you can do is uh, sign up for a short-term missions trip. Um, I, I do believe in my heart that we're not too far from the end of this pandemic. And uh, when Japan opens its borders again, I mean, Japan's a wonderful land to go to. And there's nothing like actually being there and meeting people um, and taking in the culture, I think, to give you a heart for people. So if you, if you can, you know, find a, a way to, to join a short-term mission trip of some sort to Japan, that would be a fantastic experience as well. And I would also say, um, yeah, it's great to see if you can meet Japanese people in your community. They're not necessarily Japanese, tons of Japanese people in every town of America. I haven't, I've only met one in Colorado Springs so far. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like reaching out to Japanese people here in America also is great, a great mm -hmm. preparation just to get to know what it's like to hang out with Japanese people and interact with them and talk about spiritual things together. And um, that can be a great way to see if you click with people from Japan or not. Yeah, thanks for all the good advice and two cents that you guys offer. Those are those are definitely great like compass for people to to act on. So before I end this episode and I ask this question to all the people who appear on the show, what is something that is from Japan, like what is something that's from Japan or Japanese that you absolutely cannot live without? So it can be a food, a phrase, or like a store like Daiso, like what is something that you absolutely cannot live without? Daiso is kind of cheating because it's so many things in one. But <laughs> <laughs> I really, I'm gonna steal this one from you, sure. maybe, but I love um, this one cookie called Choco Digestive <laughs> Cookies. And they're Ooh. round biscuits with some whole grain flour mixed in and a little thin coating of chocolate. And you can buy them at the Daiso in Japan. They're only a hundred yen for a box of them, but I just love those things. Yeah, um, you did steal one of my favorites there. <laughs> Um, so I love Japanese miso soup oh, and oh. I'm married to a woman who makes like the world's best miso soup. So, um, I don't have to go too long between bowls of miso soup <laughs> so I can survive. Um, but you know, um, growing up, you know, I grew up in an American home, uh, 
uh, European descent. And so we never took our shoes off. And I just thought it was you know, kind of uncool to take your shoes off because our feet are stinky. But I realized in Japan, it's so much more cool and it's so much nicer in your house to take your shoes off when you come home. <laughs> and so, you know, after a couple of decades in Japan, um, we now take our shoes off and it's just like, it feels like I'm committing a crime or something if I walk through my house with my shoes on. So that's another, uh, just a fun little thing. <laughs> Well, thanks for sharing. I didn't know you guys uh, still do that back in the States. That's awesome. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> We're in our stocking feet right now, <laughs> sitting as we record this with you, Evangeline. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, um, both of you guys, for, being for having us. I'm glad you're doing this. I hope many, many people listen to your podcasts. <laughs> yeah, thank you again. And thank you guys for listening. Um, the purpose of this podcast is to showcase how much God loves Japan through the stories of people. So if you would like to share your experience with us, please email me at carepackagetojapan at gmail.com. And we would love to have you on the podcast as well. So yeah, that's it for today. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.